As always, is my co-host, our lore master Yanni. Welcome, Yanni. Thanks, fan Tim. And speaking of lore masters, we are very happy to welcome back the fourth snake. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> hey, fourth. Welcome back. It's it's so good to have you back on the show again. It's it's been a while, I think. Yeah, the last one was the MK race episode, and that that was oh, like my the discussion. Third appearance, yeah, I think. Yeah, that was a big one. We had a lot of guests that episode too. But I mean, even just for yourself. And us, like our little one-on-one chats, <laughs> it's been a long time. So it's it's great to have you back. So what do we got today, Yanni? Well, in true fashion, uh, with for videos or just general discussions with the fourth snake, it is obviously lore related. Um, what we have is a topic on what changes we would make to the reboot era, because of course we've always been criticizing the reboot era, and I mean. Fourth, I know you love the reboot era, but we need to try and see what we can do with it. So we're going to try and bring it more in line with the original era. This is not just like random criticism. We want to make a comparison between the two eras uh, with specific changes so that we blur the line between the two and bring them closer together. I call this episode Mortal Kombat Rebirth because DC Comics did the same thing. Uh, Fourth, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, how like they basically had that new 52 and and there were a lot of people that didn't like it. And so what they ended up doing was their whole reboot rebirth series where they took these characters and like manipulated them with a big, uh, huge event that realigned them back with more of their classical aspects, but kept some of the good stuff that they already had in them. So this is, it's going to be a a good talk, I think. Yeah. It's like like if uh, fire God Liu Kang at the end of uh, aftermath, He's looking back at the, the midway timeline and saying, oh, that's good. I'll, I'll put that into this timeline, this one and that. But I will say, we can't call it Mortal Kombat Rebirth because there already was a Mortal Kombat Rebirth and it was <laughs> atrocious. Um, so Mortal Kombat Re-Rebirth, perhaps. Re-Rebirth. Reborn? How about the new... How many, how many characters... How many new characters did we get between 9 and, and 11? We could call it the new whatever number roster it was <laughs> instead of the new 52 oh 14 i think new characters total the new 14 eh. we'll, we'll work the, on the this new... by the time you listen to this episode we will have figured out a title <laughs> <laughs> so yanni where do you want to start on this well it's it's a i think a good place to start uh would be with ermac um he's sort of towards the the beginning of the series where the lore started to take shape. Um, and we can take it from there. So how about we go through, talk about his original sort of uh, appearances and his uh, his original, well, lore, and then go through the reboot and then see what we would do between those two, right? So Ermac was introduced in Trilogy, is that right? He, it was in it was the Ultimate three, 3. Was it 3? I think it was, I think it was Ultimate 3, but I don't think it was playable until Trilogy or something to that effect. Did he have much of a story at that time? I think he, it was established that he was the creator from uh, Outworld Warrior Souls, but that was at a time when it was kind of unclear whether Ideni was its own realm or Outworld corrupted by Shao Kahn overthrowing Sindel and Jared. 
so the whole the new timeline take where it's specifically Edenian souls. Uh, I, think, I think it was MK9 that established that. That is technically a retcon, but it's also kind of not at the same time. It's, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> his character did start to take shape uh, in ways other than that. I mean, at this point, well, I say his, they. Uh, Ermac was already being referred to in that uh, in that form as, as they, as a combination of souls by this point. So the lore was clearly there from the start in some manner, which they took further as the games went on. Um, now, obviously, Ermac, I'm going to have to try and keep saying they, uh, Ermac started off being this combination of souls serving Shao Kahn, of course. But do we remember what happened throughout the 3D era with Ermac? Yeah, um, he had an encounter with Kenshi at some point uh, prior to Deadly Alliance. And I'm not during it when he was in Outworld, but I think it was prior to that. And Kenshi, with his... Uh, psychic powers helped to free Ermac from whatever hold Shao Kahn had that was left over and that was left him in kind of a daze. And then as payment, he, he taught uh, Kenshi the Teleslam, which I guess it never occurred to Kenshi that he could use Telekinesis to pick someone up and then <laughs> throw them down. <laughs> to pick somebody up and drop them. <laughs> like the, most basic, the most basic thing you could do with Telekinesis, it never occurs. to like, oh, that's a good idea. Uh, and then that's... that's and that's why when Ermac was back in Deception, they, they redesigned him to go from, they wanted more of like a mentor type design for him, which I kind of wish they'd gone more in that direction rather than the space ninja wizard thing or the mummy thing. The mummy, yeah. Because, <laughs> because, because it's weird how we don't have that many older characters who are mentors in the series, even though you'd think that would be a big thing with the whole next generation thing. But uh, yeah, that, that was the idea for the design. They, they scaled it back some to keep him still looking like Ermac. Uh, you saw that a lot, like the, the Night Scorpion that became Monster because it was too different, or the Rotting Corpse, Noob Cyborg that just became Havoc. Uh, they, they did that a lot with Deception. But I think the final design they came up with for Ermac in Deception was really good and helped to uh, reflect his story some. Yeah. With with Ermac, uh, didn't they have a, one of the endings in, in the new era where King Jared ends up taking control of his body or something like that? Was that Mortal Kombat 9, perhaps? Yes, that, that was where it was established that he was that he's one of the souls inside Ermac, um, which goes some way to explain why why Jared was never resurrected, ever, even after Sindel came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that, well, I, mean, I said it in a recent um, the Five Good NetherRealm retcons video that some people still criticize me for being negative on, on NetherRealm when there's a video <laughs> that's right there, all positive, <laughs> other than jabs at MK11, which are entirely warranted because MK11 and it deserves the hate. Uh, but yeah, that, that was where they kind of established that Jared is part of Ermac, and mm-hmm. as well, which I think was part of the reason why it was established firmly. It's Edenian Souls, which I, it's a change that I think works better, better than Edenian rather than Outworld, because then Ermac as a being kind of represents the conquest of Edenia as a whole. It's yeah. like a, a living monument to that conquest. And having uh, the, the fallen king as part of that just is icing on the cake. Hmm. So I guess let's talk about some of the issues with the the new era of Mortal Kombat and how Ermac was portrayed with, within that. He went from sort of being freed by Kenshi and having this like very large amount of independence being given to him and, and character development where like he literally became this independent, uh, I say individual, but it's not an individual, this independent, independent group um, 
and actually turned sides, went from being a slave of Shao Kahn to then going on to help the forces of light, helping uh, actually even turn them back from being um, zombies, I want to say, but (laughs) uh, Dragon King warriors sort of, right? But in the reboot, just went right back to being a slave and even more so very much looking a lot like reptile in the sense that they would go from one master to another master to another master, just mm-hmm. staying loyal to the outworld emperor, Shao Kahn, Melina, Kotal. Yes, it, it becomes difficult to say whether Ermac willingly made the choice to switch from Melina to Kotal because it aligned with his personal goals, or if it was just this programmed in desire to serve the, the serve outworld and its interests, and then viewing Kotal as a better choice than Melina just uh, gave him a compulsion to do that. Which is kind of one of the issues is he kind of how much because he never had that encounter with Kenchi as far as we know. Mm. Like we, we, as far as we know, he never had that run in, which I guess means that I, I think Kenchi in this game can do the tell slam on his own, which I guess means this version <laughs> is smarter than the old one. Uh, but as far as we know, Ermac never had that um, cleansing of his mind like he had in the they sorry had in the old timeline. Uh, so it, it makes the character feel like they have a lot less agency in this timeline compared to the old one. Well, I think that would be a pretty easy fix then. All we got to do is have uh, Ermac's consciousness, I guess is a good word for it, return to him in this timeline to kind of realign him back to where he needed to be. An interesting way they could have done it is had, had Kosal uh, play a part. Like, take, like, Kosal captures Ermac um, and then, and gets them into the, the soul chamber maybe and is able to use that somehow to wipe Shao Kahn's influence and then Ermac is then given free will and the choice to decide who to serve and uh, maybe initially he's with Melina but then but now the mind's been opened and start thinking maybe Melina isn't the best just because she's the child of Shao Kahn but even then it's like the Edenian souls are still somewhat brainwashed I suppose because it's in Outworld's best interest at the minute when they're Edenian hmm. so it's not really a, a necessarily an easy fix I mean, what we could do is take some direction from the Mortal Kombat 9 ending where Jared is sort of shown to... Was it the Mortal Kombat 9 ending where they showed that Jared was the dominant soul? I can't remember. I know that they revealed that he was in there, but I don't know if he was the dominant. But I feel like we could potentially have this thing where Jared, being that dominant soul, sort of uh, actually affects Ermac in such a way where he actually sort of has this this, um, conflict within himself uh towing the line between good and evil right with jared sort of prodding him towards the light side yeah it's something you have to be uh careful with though because uh Sorge made a comment about this on it was on one of the uh mk chronicles chapters that featured ermac where a few times i had jared start to surface and influence ermac a lot more directly and someone was kind of making the point that in a way it's kind of erasing ermac as a character and supplanting them with jared Mm. So it's the kind of thing you have to mm. be mindful of, not to go too far. If having Jared's will have an influence on Ermac, fine, but not so much that much that Ermac is effectively like almost like a successor to Jared. Mm. Yes, that, that, that's a good point. I mean, you could even try and go the in the direction where you sort of possibly separate Jared by the end of that that uh, storyline, maybe. Could do that. Could there has been a lot of teasing that, for Jared to return. Yeah, and day. that there is also a an interesting plot to put. Uh, Katana, Sindel, and Jade into that's not just more helping to save the realms, which is fine for them to do that, but it's something more personal for them, which they don't really get a ton of outside of 
Sindel or Kitana is currently mind controlled, the other has to free her. They kind of do that over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> or they're both mind controlled and there's no one there to save them. <laughs> so I think we're we're all sort of in the same line as try and get Ermac to possibly switch sides or at least gain that independence that he came, that he came into in the previous timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which then I suppose would be a good segue into Reptile, as we uh actually just mentioned him. Reptile is very similar or was very similar to how Ermac sort of kept changing masters. Now, Reptile, this is this has been one of the defining qualities of Reptile throughout both timelines, in that he has always followed a specific master. Um, but the difference, that I, at least that I feel, is that in the original timeline, he followed these masters with the goal of bringing back the Saurians, or Zaterra as a whole, because he is supposed to be the last, or what he thinks is, the last Saurian. Um, what would you say? Uh, in would that be his defining quality? Do you think, or has that changed? Maybe it definitely was in, in the earlier games. I would say. I mean, even uh, affected how his character design changed. Were like it, his connection to the Terra was the reason he was devolving into this lizard man over time. Uh, so it's definitely uh, more of a factor there. But you look at the, the, cur- the current timeline, and MK90 has zero character. But he doesn't even speak. He's less of a character than Baraka, which is just embarrassing. And <laughs> then, and then in MKX, I like the idea of him being friends with Coastal, and even the way it was set up in the MKX comic was pretty good, aside from some slight wonkiness with the time frame. Uh, but so it's, it's nice that he has an, an extra thing. He has a friend that is not just uh, trying to get his race back. But it's a shame that he doesn't. He doesn't really have both outside of you could argue his ending in MKX, which was never going to be canon. Uh, Reptile's end is never going to be canon. If you think mm. there will be, you're deluding yourself. <laughs> um, Has he ever had a good ending? I can't remember. Because uh, he's always got to be like destroyed MK, every single one of them. I think two or three, maybe. And I, I think he managed to get his rocks off in Armageddon, but other than that, <laughs> tends not to get too well for him. <laughs> I, I feel like Reptile and, well, the Zaterans have actually had it the worst out of every single species and character in Mortal Kombat. They... Every single time something negative takes place. I mean, I'm just thinking back on Mortal Kombat 4, Reptile's ending. He, he pushes for his reward from Shinnok, and what does he do? He gets his head blown off. <laughs> and the very next game, uh, he's, he's the one time his ending is canon, and he gets possessed by Onaga. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, I guess uh, if we want to align Reptile with his current iteration with what we had previously we just need to like you know give him the zaterran race and then have an avalanche come and wipe them all out in front of his face <laughs> or something <laughs> uh, i guess the, the scorpion trajectory <laughs> <laughs> tragedy is the only way <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i feel like we could still take it further i mean zaterra has been one of those very underused plot lines which many mortal kombat fans have been pushing for for many many years now at this point uh which we've never gotten so yes to stay true to form we should not have zaterra return that's a great one but what we could potentially (laughs) do to bring it more in line is maybe have the appearance of chameleon or something or even natara it's another example of how the next generation thing was completely wasted like what if Reptile with his friend Colt, so now he actually has someone backing him. This person could be like, hey, let, let's try and figure out how to save Zaterra or 
find some kind of ruins or something that might be able to help bring back the race. And then they manage to find Chameleon and then Reptile goes off to try and rebuild the, the species. And that leads to Reptile Jr., the new character. And yeah. that character could look like anything. Could be a uh, gameplay wise, could be a mix of Reptile and Chameleon or Reptile, Chameleon and Chameleon. That's an option too. Uh, maybe yeah. even retcon the male chameleon into being that son. Yes. I mean, they, they changed Frost's age. They, they could still do that here. Uh, another idea I had, of that, I forget if someone suggested this, but the idea of that chameleon could be like an artificial saurian created by Shang Tsung. Because oh, Reptile has cool. also always been somewhat close to Shang Tsung, mostly as a servant, but I like the idea of Shang Tsung actually almost looking out for him, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do you a solid if you keep uh, working for me. You do. Uh, decent enough work when you're not fighting and makes an artificial Zeteran. Z- it could be the male chameleon or the female or both. And so it could almost be like, which could lead to another sin- uh, scenario down the line where reptiles continuing the species, but it's this bastardized version from these, like this incomplete genome, the same way that Melina is mm-hmm. not a perfect clone of Katana. These aren't perfect Zeterans. And so reptiles mating with the female chameleon and is creating this alternate line. But then Actual purebred saurians are brought in. Uh, they're discovered somewhere in Earth Realm or Outworld. And then when they come back, there's almost like a war between the two the two parts of this race. And reptiles are trying to bring an end to the conflict because we just got back from extinction. Can we not do this, please? <laughs> in, in my head canon, there's there's only one chameleon, and it's uh, the first LGBTQIA character of Mortal Kombat. So that's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> like a gender, it works. A gender fluid chameleon, but the only question is, which letter do we use for this character? Okay, the one that can be impregnated. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I really do like the idea of chameleon being this. Um, well, the the let's say the male chameleon being retconned into being this creation of Shang Tsung, because then that's sort of like a, a play on the name as well. They're not just a chameleon, as lizard-like form, Saurian, but they're sort of a chameleon to their own kind as well. They're camouflaged in with that with that species, which they're not truly a part of. And I think there's even been uh, some... I think there actually is some debate about whether or not the male chameleon even is a Saurian. Do you think the female one has been confirmed somewhere, but I think the male one might not have been? I think mm. there might have been some lines in his Armageddon ended that perhaps suggested maybe he's not uh, a Saurian. So it's... Maybe some something back in this idea. There's a lot you can do with these characters who are basically just moveset concepts rather than actual characters. Yeah. And that's why it's a real shame that we just don't get stuff done with these characters. The, that, the, the world's your oyster, Netherrealm. <laughs> why are you sticking with the same MK1 to 2 characters every time? And the Netherrealm. And that yeah. world. <laughs> but one thing that you did mention as well is that Kotal Khan, now that he's friends with Reptile, could potentially try and help him bring back his race or bring back Zaterra. But if Kotal Khan, at this point in time, was Khan, then how come we've not seen the annexed realms being returned? For example, Adenia or Zaterra? They, they, they tried to address that in a, in a pre-fight intro, which is... Like the pre-fight intros in... X and especially Eleven are kind of like to the Netherrealm team what Twitter is to J.K. Rowling. It's a place to kind of <laughs> d- dump lore bits to, to fill in plot holes. Like with Kotal Khan is so great, why does he not try and free the realms? Like do his good friend Reptile Solid and free his realm, or uh, maybe free the free Idenia to get those guys off his back. And then it's like, well, Idenia can't be restored without 
tearing Outworld apart or it just flat out can't be restored, uh, depending on whether it's one intro or the other, uh, which is just stupid. I mean, mm. it, it only was merged for 10,000 years, and it, but apparently within like, the last 30 years, it changed completely, and now... I, so if it don't work at the end of MK3, it was freed. It can't be freed ever because things are completely different now in this 30 years. I'm like, no, just no. I, I feel like that was a an extreme excuse to just not use the other realms, specifically yeah. the ones that should have been annexed, which is actually, once again, a nice way for us to move into the next topic, I think. Uh, well, the other realms. <laughs> we have Zaterra, we've mentioned. We we can get into Edenia um, in a sec, but I think let's let's stick with maybe even Viternus, for example, and the Chaos Realm and such, because we've mentioned Reptile. How about Natara, right? So Natara has come from Viternus, and then we have Havoc, we have uh, um, Hotaru, we have all these other realms, and we have Edenia and possibly Zaterra, as well as the other realms being said that, hey, we can't bring these realms back because it will rip apart Outworld. But that just, to me, sounds like, hmm, these realms were extremely vital to the story itself in the previous timeline. Other characters were relevant. The Kamidogu, specifically, when they weren't just some random daggers, are, were very relevant too. But now it's, hey, let's mention this realm. Let's mention Havoc. Let's mention this one and not actually do anything with them if they're not Outworld, Earth Realm, or the Nether Realm. I, I really cannot fathom why. Because a whole new realm opens up so many possibilities. So just think Outworld. Like, we have the, uh, we have just normal-looking people like Shao Kahn. We have, uh, we have the Tarkatans. We have other races, like like, this, like uh, the, the Centaurs, and maybe the Shokan, depending on whether or not they're native to Outworld or a separate realm that was also conquered. There's all these different races in that realm. So think about the, the kinds of cool and interesting characters you could bring in other realms. Like, what if the Nagnadans were Chaos Realm people? Mm. Or something even more crazy and, and out there? And then that could even be an interesting contrast if Order Realm is just humans or humanoids. And then you have all this variety with Chaos Realm, because Order Realm, maybe they've done a genocide, I don't know. I mean, uh, and that could make them good friends with Kosal Khan. He did a genocide. He killed uh, the Tarkatans. Uh, so... Just the simple, right off the bat, you have this great opportunity to have all kinds of new characters you could introduce. I not even talk about bringing back the old ones that people allegedly don't like. Like, just so much you could do for introducing new characters, and they just refuse to touch those realms. In all the story modes, not counting endings and intros, just the story modes, I think the only time any of these other realms come up is when Shang Tsung says, oh yeah, I sent Garrus to Chaos Realm, and Havoc's going to sort him out for a bit. And that's mm. it. Why can't we go? We still haven't had a proper stage in Chaos Realm or Order Realm of even Edenia, really. No, well, yeah. we haven't Edenia with like the ruins and the pyramid, but it's like two or three total. Like Order Realm, Chaos Realm is just the conquest stage, and yeah. that's it. And again, the just think about the cool stage you could have from Chaos Realm, the, the cool weird creatures that could show up that can t- turn people apart for a stage fatality or anything. But we just don't get anything with them. Ever. Yeah, the you know the the designs too, and this is something we kind of talked about a little bit previous on uh, the past episodes too. Was the designs for the different realms, they kind of base them off of different stuff, and they do the same thing with the characters. Like Outworld, you have like these more you know mystical creatures, like like half dragon, half men. You have uh, the Minotaurs, like you have these different design concepts that are kind of 
rooted in a certain uh, branch of fantasy. Then you have like Adenia, which, you know, has like these beautiful people like that are kind of more more of a light fantasy rather than a dark fantasy concept, mm. if that makes sense. The, the Adenians are basically elves. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, with with Chaos Realm and stuff like that, like it was the most we got exploration of that was Armageddon. And, you know, they just kind of threw in some people that talk backwards. But you have so much conceptual stuff you could do with that, like they did with Havoc. Like Havoc is such a unique character, and that's why fans want him back. So bringing back some of these realms, you literally have like endless possibilities and character designs that could match these realms like chaos yeah. realm you could do the most craziest stuff out there and then chaos realm you could do the complete opposite of of this craziness that you're doing it, i would say that we kind of have our solution already to this question now that i think about it we we have the mkx comic now yes it was it exactly what we were looking for no but it was nice to see this direction taken in the comics where we have havoc leading the charge uh, sort of uh, an actual chaos realmer and it's a completely different story than just to do without world for once um or specifically so the, i feel like the solution was there i just don't think it was the execution that possibly we were looking for at least to fix this specific thing where the kamidogu were changed and everything by changing the Kamidogu, you've you forced it to just being specifically Outworld and the and well the Chaos Realm with Havoc. Whereas with the previous types of the Kamidogu, you actually had to go to their realms to collect them, which was the biggest problem. So I feel like the only real true solution in this case is having a more deception style approach. One of the funny things actually with the, the Kamidogu daggers is um if instead of being retcons of the existing item, if they were just their own standalone blood dagger thing, this is taking place after when Deadly Alliance would have happened in the timeline. And mm -hmm. there's really no reason why Natara couldn't have just found another way, uh, someone else who can uh, brave the, the lavas to, to get the orb and help her free Vaternus. And then it could be, well, here's what would have happened in the original timeline had it gone on long enough. These blood daggers from the vampire realm, blood vampires, like these daggers from that realm become a big deal. And then that also could have been a way to bring Natara back as, as part of the plot. Maybe maybe she's responsible, intentionally or otherwise. Maybe she's trying to reclaim the daggers to get them out of the wrong hands. Uh, maybe she's being manipulated by Havoc in some uh, misguided quest for revenge on Outworlds. Lots of options. It's, it's just odd that. He introduced these blood magic daggers, and there's always focus on blood magic with Scarlet and Kotal. But then the vampire people don't get brought up as part of that, even though it just makes the most sense in the world to have a lot of blood magic stuff come from Vaternus. Like one of the things I did in MK Chronicles is it had it that the blood magic that was used to create Scarlet originates in Vaternus. Shao Kahn kind of stole that knowledge when he conquered that realm and then gave it to Shang Tsung to. Uh, create Scarlet because that was a, I think, a slightly fucked up by having Shang Tsung be the one to create her rather than Shao Kahn. But see, it's a way of tying things together and, and having interesting dynamics for certain characters. What would Natara think about this about Scarlet? Would she view her as an abomination, uh, a bastardization of her people's uh, uh, magic and their culture, or would she just want to fuck her? That's an option too. <laughs> uh, well, a lot of people seem to like that one. Uh, Natara x Scarlet for life. Uh, yeah, just. Plenty of options, and just they just didn't go with them. And I, 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 and because it's not even just like 
this this writer or this writer because the writing team across the nether era was totally inconsistent constantly changing so i have to, I have to wonder if it was like a thing from higher up like keep it focused on just these realms that people recognize because they were in the first few games mm-hmm. maybe from ed boone or warner bros maybe saying it's not marketable to go into the deception stuff because people decided they hate that stuff now so keep it just to the stuff that people everybody who likes mk likes which is just three realms and they really wore out the welcome very quickly yeah unfortunately true i i, I truly be- i mean this is slightly off topic but i truly believe that the only reason that people didn't really get into the 3d era outside of the you know let's just say hardcore mk fans or those who just you know picked it up and actually did enjoy it was the 3d style gameplay uh that that i feel was the the main deterrent rather than the stories themselves because in my opinion the story has never been better in mortal kombat than when it was the 3d era and that's a testament to the lore that you know i would say tobias left us with and then the direction that vogel took it in after that but uh i mean we can focus a little bit on adenia so we we've already mentioned that katana specifically says that she can't bring back the realm because it would rend apart outworld however obviously in the original timeline as we've mentioned as well it was restored it was broken up broken off from outworld's control which so i that's what i don't understand why would restoring it now tear apart outworld like what like when did this rule come about or what's different in this timeline that would make that an issue is she just misinformed <laughs> could be I mean, yeah. it's, not god, it's not a god explaining it's not like raiden saying oh it's not going to work because you know someone who would have knowledge it's just kiss hannah so if they hadn't done the next uh, reboot with the end of 811 they could have just carried on and had kiss hannah learn actually no i was, I was wrong sorry it turns out it can be done i was just misinformed yeah <laughs> she, she she's like I, well I severe and continuous lapse in my judgment <laughs> She she shows up. She goes, "Hey guys, I tried it. It it actually works. <laughs> We're all still here." <laughs> so you know that plan that you said that I that I said wouldn't work. <laughs> I mean, but I mean that's that's the solution. There we go. <laughs> yeah, there. That's that's the yeah. Good good <laughs> topic done. <laughs> <laughs> They've almost actually turned Idenia into. Katana's white whale in the same way that Zatera and the, the Saurians are reptiles mm. because it's just kind of left to endings like oh here's, here's Katana's ending guess what she's up to this time you got it right she's uh, saving Idania <laughs> again again it, it's never canon anytime she does it <laughs> oh I mean, I mean and that leads us uh, into Katana's other white whale which is like the big elephant in the room with Sindel I mean <laughs> The the whole new era, it's just, you know, oh, I got to rescue my mother. Oh, I got to rescue my mother. Oh, she's back in this game, too. I must rescue her. Like, <laughs> oh, and she's actually evil. <laughs> Plot twist. Surprise. <laughs> actually, what, so Sindel in X, while she's brainwashed by Quan Chi, which even with the retcon, she's still brainwashed by Quan Chi, or she would have killed him because he's the guy who killed her with the retcon. Um, I had the realization... While she says to Kathy, it's either Jax or Kathy, she's like, oh, she, uh, I've been reunited with my daughter. Does she speak to her daughter while they're both revenants? I don't uh, think she does. That's a question, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, Katana and Liu Kang became leader of the, 
all the revenants. So I'm sure they must have talked at some point. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's a weird one as well because that that could have been an interesting uh, scene to have. Just the the two discussing how they've been reunited, and then all kinds of directions. Like maybe they lament the fact that it took them both dying due to such horrible circumstances to get to that point, or maybe they oh, just yeah. reverence of Quan Chi because he managed to reunite them after being separated for so long and that's why they're going to continue serving him or anything but no they they they, they stand there with the other revenants and Sindel doesn't speak unless she's about to fight someone the the whole revenant storyline was what i was most excited for for Mortal Kombat 11 because of how x ended i was like mm. this is awesome we got bad guy Liu Kang and bad guy Katana like they're going to be our our main villains in the next game i cannot wait to see what they do with this storyline and that just went up in smoke <laughs> right away <laughs> well ironically smoke did not turn up after that yeah he, he also went up in smoke <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's gone too <laughs> but i mean as for the revenant thing you know sindel for most of the story that we saw she was under Quan Chi's control and like uh, I, I think it might have been you on a previous episode who kind of talked about how the revenants uh, you know there's like basically two types there's kind of ones that are self-aware and then there's ones that are just kind of like mindless drones that do what they are told to do mm. and that's how I always pictured Sindel in the the new storyline before uh, 11 when she comes back yeah there's definitely a distinction in MKX because there were the ones who spoke and the ones who didn't yeah. Uh, so the ones who didn't had no character, there's no exploration of them as revenants, what they think of the situation. Uh, there's, there's a lot they could have done with the revenants. Um, yeah. With eleven, there's a less of a distinction between them. Uh, it, in that case, it's, well, I guess the distinction there is either they are still around or they are non-existent and no one even remembers they existed. Like Striker and Smoke, poor guys. They, they, they never works out well for them. <laughs> it's just, and then of course you got the oddities with like why. A Nightwolf and Sindel just left in reserve to guard a temple that no one cares about anymore. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if anyone even knew before Aftermath, any of the characters outside of Chronicus Force knew that the Spire had been restored. Like, there's even a bit where, where someone's like, ah, Cassie, your mum died for nothing. We got the temple back. Not even yeah. that. <laughs> so as far as, as far as we know, Cassie goes into the final battle thinking, yeah, my mother died heroically. Uh, took out some revenants, so at least uh, I can feel good about that. And it turned out, no. <laughs> oh, wait. She just shows up and is like, this looks exactly like the place where my mom died. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as Sindel, I mean, you know, the biggest complaint people had about her, and, and still this debate is is still ongoing, the, the whole not my Sindel thing, was mm. in the original timeline, you know, she was restored and her memories came back and she was like a really good guy and like one of the heroes or one of you know earth realms defenders however you want to look at it and then this timeline it was revealed that she's been faking it all along and she actually killed jared and hated her daughter (laughs) everyone killed jared i don't know if we can even stick by that last one (laughs) (laughs) yeah at this point we everybody claims and but that is a, a good possible solution for this is that, you know, Sindel's basically still kind of brainwashed mm. and she she thinks she killed Jared and she thinks she's a bad guy. But 
deep down she's got a heart of gold. I like it. That's yeah, a, that's a good there, one. There, there are plenty of there are plenty of explanations fans have come up with to explain. Well, well, she could still be brainwashed. It could be Shang Tsung uh, did it, like he did in MK3, mm-hmm. or maybe uh, it, it's, it's maybe it's that Banshee spirit thing that is only in this game con- uh, conspicuously, and that <laughs> maybe he put that inside her. Um, there's even an intro that almost makes it look like that's the case, where it like is entering her body. It's like make it look like yeah, she's getting possessed. Almost like it's like, it's like the Frost intro where, where she's like got her head down, and then she comes online. Yep, the Sindel. Uh, hmm. Mecca has come hmm. online. The pilot's inside, ready to go. And uh, there's, so, there's plenty of ways you could you could make something like this work. Um, and if you want if you want to do this personality of Sindel, all you need to do is to make it that this personality either, either results the revenant corruption that's not worn off, or mm-hmm. that's just the personality that she's given as part of the brainwashing, and that's also stuck around through this because she's never properly cleansed, and so she needs to go through that cleansing even after the revenant stuff had been undone. And um, there's so many ways, so so many ways you can make this work, and they, they just. They, I guess they thought that the the twist would be shocking and memorable, and people were like, "Whoa, that, that's incredible!" But a lot of people just don't care for that kind of storytelling when it's just all about the moment. Because once the moment is over, and you just left to think about the implications of this change, mm. it just doesn't work at all. Even if we disregard the fact that clearly she wasn't faking it back in Deception when she was hugging Katana and crying. Even disregarding that and just say, imagine, oh, well, uh, Kronika changed the timeline after the original timeline. And in this, in her version of events, Sindel's evil. Like, it just doesn't line up with what we knew from the previous two games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all. I mean, it, it wasn't even that it was like a surprise in the MK11 story. Firstly, everybody knew it was coming just because of the actual writing itself. But secondly, even from the combat casts, they were already at this point in time, because they'd released the bios online prior to the DLC coming out. Um, And I remember, was it Stephanie saying that the character of Sindel was made to look more like her actual appearance, you know, like that she's evil and stuff, but they removed the whites of her eyes and everything, which sort of even backed that up. So (laughs) I don't know. It was Uh, a very weird very. She's very pretty in Eleven. Um, oh yeah, and, and you know I'm not into into video game mm-hmm, girls, right. but sure. yeah, I mean like it's a very pretty <laughs> model that they built out for her. Um, You're more of a Baraka guy <laughs> with his loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. You were saying no. I mean that's that's it. I mean she's you know like she's she's so evil now. She reflects. Her outward appearance reflects her inward heart, and it's like, yeah, but you you made her at like actually really one of the prettier models of the game, mm. and and then you all of course have her like, you know, her dark model, but her her like you you it, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. Like mm. let's let's backtrack that. If we're gonna make MK12, this is an easy fix. Like oh yeah, she was still brainwashed a little bit, or or yeah, she had the banshee spirit. Yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's also just not a very good explanation. It's one of those things that you find shocking when you have uh, PR people trying to, because like you think that with a big change like this, like, like with Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, like well, we're not going to have the X Men or the Fantastic Four characters. Like well, these are staples of, of that series. You know, you know for a fact that people are going to want answers. So you'd think you'd have a better explanation lined up, even if it's still bullshit because you can't say Disney didn't want them in. Even then, you should still have an explanation lined up that's better than. People don't want to play Wolverine. They just want to play a guy who like scratches. So uh, Black Panther is that guy. Like 
you have a better explanation lined up, and now so they should have had a better one for Sindel than what what is is a very silly ex- explanation that well now her inside and outside uh, match because it, it it was strange that she looked like a bad guy but she's actually a good guy as if no other character in the series is like that as if that's not just a thing you do like Batman you know one of the most popular superheroes looks more like a villain than a lot of his villains mm. it's just one of those things you, you do sometimes to, uh, to make a more interesting contrast it's a bit more in a way uh, mature and sophisticated not by much but a bit than to sim- have it all be simplistic and like this person looks like a bad guy therefore they're a bad guy this one is a good guy therefore they look the part uh, th- th- this isn't an excuse to uh, attack Stephanie don't do that people will do that when yeah. you give them any kind of excuse don't if you don't do, do you're a scumbag <laughs> and I hope you die <laughs> won't go that far but don't do that <laughs> so we did mention, uh, I mean, I guess we're all in agreement that the best way is to just say that Sindel was still a little bit brainwashed, right? Are we, we good there? <laughs> yeah, one way or another. All right. So why don't we go into the Deadly Alliance then? Because we've now talked about how Shang Tsung, well, well, Sindel rather, was brought back. And in the original timeline, Shang Tsung was the one to do so, as far as I remember, Shang Tsung and Shao Kahn. But mm-hmm. in MK9, they've, of course, given the role to Quan Chi, as they have done with a lot with Shang Tsung's, uh, um, well, general sort of feats in the series, as the fourth snake definitely likes to talk about, as I know. Um, but in the original timeline, firstly, the actual creation and existence of the Deadly Alliance, the, most, the closest thing that we have in, M- in the reboot timeline was literally one fight in Mortal Kombat 9, calling it the Deadly Alliance or something? Or was it the chapter? Well, there was, there was like a, a little outro appearance too, wasn't there? Where, oh, no, but uh, I don't remember who it was, but two characters are talking to each other and they're like, yes, we'll form a Deadly Alliance. And you're like, <laughs> oh, they said it. They said it. But... I, think, I, think, I think that was Quan Chi and Lex Luthor in DCU. <laughs> that also, been also, also, Scorpion and Sub-Zero are called the Deadly Alliance, I think, in... Sub-Zero's yeah. MK9 and, and when they team up. Oh, it's yeah. just a phrase like yeah. people like to, like to throw around a lot. Uh, but the thing about the Deadly Alliance is it almost wouldn't make sense for it to exist in the current timeline because mm. the reason Quan Chi sought out Shang Tsung is because he was a necromancer. He could uh, manipulate souls and, and control people and so that was necessary for uh, resurrecting the Dragon King's army. Quan Chi couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But now, as of DCU and MK9, Quan Chi can do that. He can do all the stuff Shang Tsung can, and Shang Tsung himself can't anymore. There's even, I think there's even a, an intro he has with Sindel or someone where he, where he says, I'm not a necromancer. Just flat out saying all the stuff he did in the old timeline that made Quan Chi come to him for help, he can't do anymore. So what reason does Quan Chi have to go to Shang Tsung? So it would almost have to be a completely different character he goes to if Quan Chi's involved at all, but you could say at least with the, the various endings where it's like Quan Chi and Lex Luthor, Scorpion Sub-Zero, anyone can be a Deadly Alliance if there's mm. two people who will work together and kill people. So while Deadly Alliance is like the plot, I was most okay them not reimagining for the new timeline. Because uh, a lot of people really want them to do that, and I, I personally don't get it, but I'm fine with them not adapting that. But if you were to do something like that, you would have to find something else Shang Tsung could offer to Quan Chi or swap him out for someone else. See, the, the weird part about what you just said is, yes, you're right in that, I mean, Quan Chi is supposed to be the necromancer, right? So he's using all the the sort of 
skeletal sort of spells, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm thinking on back on Shang Tsung's Mortal Kombat 11 Fatality. I'm pretty sure he's got what are basically zombies coming out of the ground and ripping apart his enemy. So maybe there is some form of necromancy to Shang Tsung now. Yeah, that's right. I don't know, dude. <laughs> you, can, you can look in like you can look in like two, three different places in the same game, and it's all completely generic. It's completely different. Like, yeah. D- d- apparently, apparently, Devorah Sindel and Shao Kahn all like ganged up on him at the same time, and each claimed credit for it. <laughs> yeah. What is happening? You know, I think there, there. This is something that can be fixed if you wanted to get back, to, you know, to the original power sets and to the original Deadly Alliance in order to kind of get to the Onaga plot point. And that would be, you know, maybe they're utilizing some kind of artifacts or something, and that's how they have these capabilities. Like Shang Tsung can do a little bit of necromancy because he has an artifact. Uh, mm. Quan Chi, you know, he can control souls more and things like that because he has an artifact and then somehow or another they they drop it in the toilet and they don't want to pick it up because it's it's too dirty and then you know you're moving forward you, the artifacts are gone their powers are back and now they have to rely on each other because they don't have as much power as they did originally like in, in any way it basically just have to do like a power downgrade for each of the characters and you can like develop that dependency again that they had in order to form that deadly alliance. Well, we sort of saw, even in the original era, where they didn't need that that uh, power-up. I mean, bear in mind, we're talking about power-ups, and Quan Chi was the the uh, the second-to-last fight. Oh, no. No, he was supposed to be. Sorry, I'm thinking of Goro. Um, Shang Tsung, specifically, uh, was the boss, right? If we go back to the original Mortal Kombat. So Shang Tsung is demonstrated to be this powerful being, especially... Mm-hmm as we've seen in Mortal Kombat 11 towards the ending, he, he technically becomes the, the, uh, the ultimate villain, right? But in the original era, we actually see Onaga, Shao Kahn, Shang Tsung, and Quan Chi form an alliance in uh, Deception. No, was it Deception or Armageddon? Armageddon's conquest Armageddon. mode, I think. Yes. So we do see that they don't just uh, do it in a way because they're relying on one of the other's powers but it's also just to form that allegiance so that they can put their power together. They're all supposed to be the, these powerful fighters, right? So I feel like the, we have sort of had that, as sim- at least as, I wouldn't say a callback to, but a similar sort of outcome in Mortal Kombat 11, where we see Shang Tsung forming an alliance with Sindel and Shang Tsung. Uh, sorry, with Sindel and Shao Kahn whom he ob- obviously betrays towards the end. Ob- no Quan Chi, though. <laughs> Good. So you're saying basically just take that deadly alliance and form it somewhere else? Potentially. Either that or actually bring back Onaga, which we oh, yeah. didn't miss I out mean, on. I-, I think, yeah, Onaga it-, it was a key plot point of the original timeline. I mean, that was, in my opinion, I mean... Not counting Armageddon and its big, big, giant, bigger threat thing, Onaga was what tied all the games together in a background type of way. Like there's all this stuff happening that we didn't know about until we got to Deception and it all was based around Onaga. And the one being. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I feel like Onaga is that is that big link, as you just said, because with Onaga, you have the Deadly Alliance linked to the rest of it. With Onaga, you have 
Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn was one of his generals, right? You, with Onaga, you have the story of Shujinko, which ties all the realms together with the Kamidogu, as well as the One Being. The One Being, of course, which links Onaga and Shao Kahn specifically through their urge to conquer the realms. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in this case, I, once again, I, I feel like there's an easy solution, which is to sort of bring back the comic that we never got. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, it, that was Sean Kittleston's. Yeah, I mean, it, it was too. obviously going in that direction, right? Where we were going to get Onaga coming in next, but uh, mm-hmm. or, because they do refer to it, I'm pretty sure it was in Mortal Kombat 11. They refer to the events of Onaga's resurrection or something throughout. Yeah, uh, Baraka has an intro, an intro with Shiva where they uh, mention that Goro got his arms back in the almost scorched outworld, which I, th- I think there might have been a, a, a specific reference to Onaga in one of the intros, mm. uh, but at least that one specifically does. Is that the most direct reference to what was planned for the comic? Uh, to, to say, it never ha- it never got made, but it, it did still happen canonically between games. Yeah. Mm. And uh, like even petrified Goro in Goro's Lair is a reference to that comic book. Mm. And yeah, that, I mean, all that stuff's missing <laughs> in the story. It's, unless... Unless you've watched uh, history's interview with with Sean, history behind the warriors interview, like the that whole story is gone except for these couple touch points that we've mentioned, and yeah. it, it's really important to this story as it is. I mean, even without trying to do the whole re rebirth thing, it, like it's it's critical because it still ties in. Yeah, uh, honestly, I mean. I would have just preferred that we got these sto- the comic line stories over what we got in MKX. We wouldn't have had the the sort of missing information between those games. We don't have to have it as as you were saying forth. Like it seems to be this 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 uh, chamber where they just throw in random tweets. Right now, I like the fact that they'll they'll have dialogue which can point towards something that we've all been wondering about, which maybe hasn't been mentioned in some way. I do like that. But at least if we're going to do that, either make it fun or make it canon. Don't give us and and make it something that you didn't have a chance to mention throughout the story. Rather than let's use this to fill the plot points that we couldn't do otherwise. With introducing, you know, Onaga in the method that was was planned out, would that fix this this continuity and realign it? Uh, because I mean, the after effects of Onaga in that continuity uh, or in the current Mortal Kombat Eleven continuity the after effects there aren't really any except for that goro becomes petrified like we don't see any big changes to any of the characters in my opinion yeah that's kind of always, always the issue the comic had because it was mostly being made after mkx like after any consequences had already been felt so other than taking something from mkx and saying oh that happened that's a, that, that's because of this from the comic there's not really anything that could really be done Whereas it, it it would have been better if the comic had been made right after MK9 or mm. after MKX and released after MKX. Because there just wasn't much room for Sean to do much. And that's why you end up with weird inconsistencies. Like Ermac is apparently still with Melina by this point when Coastal's already the Khan. When MKX clearly showed that's not how it works. And yeah. that Sonya goes through the same arc she did in MKX. Whereas if the, the whole project had been planned out differently, there could have been more room to actually develop some things in the comic that could then be addressed in the game. It's like, yeah, this happened. Uh, 
go go into the menus. There's like a thing that explains what happened in the comic if you didn't read it. There's some intros to reference it, and there you go. Yeah, I, I think a better solution would be to, you know, basically explain away the things like Ermac and the stuff that we've already explained, and then now at this point have Onaga show up or be introduced as a, a villain after Eleven. Uh, or or something happens after eleven, and I think that would give the story a little bit more weight and still kind of tie things back together. Because at this point, I mean, the Onaga story—it's it, a missed opportunity. It's it's like something that's not going to change anything from from where we're at. So if you were to do it now, then you should do it after eleven, and basically it'll have a new weight to it, and you can still do things like a deadly alliance to bring Onaga back. Yeah, I, I do. I agree with you. Although I, I feel that if we are going to have any solution through the use of Onaga, we're going to have to have Shujinko in some manner too, or at least somebody in that Shujinko role because the Kami do We already got Shujinko. Yes. And that's, that's it, a big issue actually, in my opinion. I, yeah. <laughs> Shujinko comes up as this Well, He's at the Kang temple, right? In the comics. Uh, protecting the Kamidogu dagger at the um, request of Raiden. And he's somehow possessed by Havoc. I don't know if he's actually possessed by Havoc at, for, uh, by Havoc at first. I, I think they do show that he's cut on the arm or something, right? By the blood magic dagger. I can't remember exactly. But uh, this leads to Scorpion being killed by Havoc or Hanzo being killed by Havoc. And I'm, I don't remember actually if Shujinko dies at the end of this or if he's just one of Havoc's... No. Uh, Guys, know he, at this he's, point he's just he's just with havoc for the rest of the scene, and then he's never mentioned again. Mm. But I'll say this: okay, I, I know this is going to be very controversial <laughs> within the Mortal Kombat community, but Shujinko is mentioned in the endings, and of course, they're not canon. But especially the way that Mortal Kombat X's endings worked, they could have been like a continuation of the story, and they all kind of tied together a little bit. So. They're not canon, but technically, you know, those actions and events are kind of happening or or some form of them. And so in, in uh, I think it was Mortal Kombat X's ending. Um, Cassie. Uh, yeah, was it Cassie or was it? Uh, yes, Yanni? So she goes on a mission uh, to find somebody who's been stealing souls. And, you know, as you're listening to the story, you're presuming, oh, no, Shang Tsung's back and he's been stealing souls. And then she comes across Shujinko. So, that means that, you know, her ending is she's going on a mission to seek down something that's already been occurring. So it's possible that Shujinko is in, you know, this new timeline and somewhere along the line, he's become corrupted. And it could be because there was no, you know, quest for the Kamidogu. Like he didn't have to pursue that because of the way that this timeline is. And so he ended up becoming corrupted and becoming a soul stealer i like uh, it himself. i really do but where does that soul stealing power come from then if not from damashi uh it could come from the kamidogu uh mm-hmm. that or, or havoc's possession or something like that you know um and and you know it'd be easy to or i, I say it'd be easy but you know you can undo that and bring back shujinko and you know have his quest still be existent and do things like reveal the uh red dragon and uh, like everything that he managed to do within deception could still be existent within this timeline. It just could be that he became corrupted along the way. This is going to have to tie into Taven and Dagon. Sorry, fourth. 
uh, another way you could approach it is to have it that Raiden had visions of Shujinko's quest and what that would result in. So you track him down and said, listen, Shujinko, like, I understand what you think is going on. Here's what's really happening. So Shujinko's like, oh, well, I guess I better call off this quest and help Raiden to hide the Kamidogu again. And so then Damashi is still out there, so he needs to find someone else. And that could be your deadly alliance. He finds a new champion and has them help him to try and collect the Kamidogu. And then, I mean, that could have been a really cool uh, plot for a, a season of the comics. If mm-hmm. uh, where, where Shujinko is brought in as like an expert on the Kamidogu, who knows where they are. Uh, maybe Havoc's blood magic is like still whispering in his ear, trying to corrupt him, make him turn against the Earth Realmers. Uh, but he's brought in to help track down the Kamidogu again to stop this villain from acquiring them all. Because and it can be a thing where they don't know where Idenius is because Idenius was never freed. And, uh, and so, and Shujinko never found it. Uh, so it's like, well, the villain could easily find that one when they have to find the rest before the villain can get any of them. There are options. Yeah. Yeah. Like this stuff could still happen and could still be existent out there. And it's just something we don't know about because it, they didn't dive into it in the new games. And I, I think that kind of lines up with, with where we're at if you, if you do it correctly. Which then really would also, as we said, lead into, Taven and Dagon, right? Because you're not mm-hmm. going to go from Onaga and skip Blaze, are you? <laughs> the the whole the whole point of Onaga returning is that there's that risk, that threat of the one being, and then all the the combatants being at the height of their powers, right? So assuming that we do have this this uh, take on Shujinko becoming the hero by by taking all the powers off of everybody, this could be done completely differently. I do. There was a very good point actually about Shujinko's appearance in Cassie's story. And that was a re- really cool ending, actually, now that you reminded me of it. But if we do have somebody else going along those lines, or even just, you know, Onaga's return as a whole, moving into the story of Armageddon, it's just how would we bring Blaze in without leading to the exact same end point that we had in Armageddon? Because we've already been at Armageddon once. To fix it, they had to... They, they had to literally go back in time, right? So where do you go from there? How do you bring Blaze back in? Um, I mean, I, I, at this point, you could still have Armageddon, but you could have a different outcome. I mean, this timeline's completely changed. So Armageddon still is probably going to have to happen. Uh, it, it, I mean, you, you take the, the ending of Mortal Kombat 11 and you, know, you have your two different endings, but let's say Liu Kang's like, I'm going to let the timeline keep going. And if he does that, then Armageddon's still going to happen. And you're still going to find out who's the victor. And maybe Shao Kahn doesn't win this time because Liu Kang's not a zombie. Liu Kang's fire god Liu Kang. And, you know, he could still be the main hero. You could, this, this plot point, I think, could still continue on similarly to, to how it did in the original timeline. Hmm. And, and to be clear, because uh, I know some sort of probably bring this up in the comments, Yes, Liu Kang does have the option to let the timeline carry on because in Aftermath, Kronika never gets a chance to reset the timeline. They're still in the default chamber before the reset happens. So him resetting the timeline is just something he chooses to do. Uh, he, he, if he wants to, he could just let it play out, which mm-hmm. I think would probably be the better option for MK12. Just, just ignore those actual endings and have him decide, you know what, let's just let things carry on as they are, but... Maybe, maybe, maybe I like what DC's been doing with this rebirth thing. I'm going to bring some things back from the old timelines. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I would love if, 
yeah, if, if they did have like an actual rebirth for 12, I mean, we've said on previous episodes, I really want to see like great Kung Lao story for Mortal Kombat 12. But if, if they did like a rebirth style and kind of fix timelines, merge timelines in the way that I thought they were going to do with 11 when I originally saw some of the trailers, I, I think that would be a, a cool thing to do. Well, why not both? I mean, we, we've all been talking about how we'd like to see the great Kung Lao and that would be awesome. But just because Liu Kang has gone back in this ending to the Great Kung Lao does not mean we're actually going to get a, a game in that timeline where the Great Kung Lao is the hero. It could just be that he's gone back in time and we end up right back at the first tournament. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean that we have to get that story with the Great Kung Lao. The Great Kung Lao could just have that effect on the story at a later point in time. Right. Mm -hmm. But what about a solution to Armageddon of it not being Liu Kang, of it not being Shao Kahn, not even Raiden, but the original intended winner, Taven? Hmm. Uh, if I remember correctly, Taven was the one who was supposed to win that, according to original yeah. plans. Uh, uh, do you mean it from a Ryzen perspective or like in universe, uh, Argus's plan? No, no, no. From, well, both technically, from a writing perspective. Uh, well, well cl that was clearly the, the intention because Taven's has two endings, one for Conquest where he narrates it, and then mm -hmm. one for Arcade Mode where it's the exact same ending but Argus narrates instead. Yes. Uh, so clearly that was the, the intention of where it was going to go. Uh, and even set up how things could get worse because uh, while the, what it was believed throughout the, the game that one brother's victory would lead to all the warriors dying and the other would lead to them all being depowered, uh, Taven finds that when he wins, instead everybody just gets more powerful. <laughs> yes. And, and so, so the next game would have presumably then been, yeah, things have gotten worse. The ROMs are even more imminently collapsing. Something has to be done, which I guess would have been, I, I guess I have this sword. I could probably kill a bunch of people with my new powers. <laughs> and then, he would have, then he, the problem would have been Taven wiping out half the characters himself, just in one scene, like, like Sindel would in the end. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, going back to Mortal Kombat 11's ending too, the Liu Kang rebuilding the timeline and, you know, kind of manipulating things with the great Kung Lao could have led to a way for Taven to end up winning the tournament or, mm -hmm. or, you know, Armageddon could still happen in this reimagined timeline. And yeah, and we, we could have Taven showing up. Um, and then let's say it, he does depower everybody. And then we're back to like a Mortal Kombat one style roster where, or <laughs> better yet, we're back. We're at a uh, a Mortal Kombat style roster where you have to have an Arcana to have powers. Oh <laughs> <laughs> it's a birthmark. <laughs> he was born with it. <laughs> Could you imagine if that's actually what's going on in MK2021? This is the timeline. Oh. Fire God and you can create. The reason he's not the hero now is because. He's taking a step back. He's like a, almost like a Raiden-like figure, and so he has to bring in, uh, make a new, and make a whole new person to take his place. And the Arcan is him trying to limit people's abilities. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we've we've cracked the case, now, bro. <laughs> We're on to you. That's why the Shao Kahn statue is the MK11 one because that's the most recent image in Liu Kang's mind. That's what you recognize in mind. I see what oh you're doing. God. I get it. I see what you're doing. <laughs> Oh, all right, Yanni, what's I next? I can't tell if I, if I like this or I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. well, <laughs> let's go back to the events of Armageddon. 
where we actually see the Takunan sectors clan. So the cyber ninjas, the cyber ninja, exactly. Now this was a, a really cool idea for a clan, uh, which sector created after failing to take charge of the Lin Kuei from Sub-Zero. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> so he creates the Takunin and they get in the way of Taven only to never be heard from again <laughs> until Mortal Kombat X. In Mortal Kombat X, we see the Takunin this time being formed by Triborg. So Triborg was created with data from the Lin Kuei, which the SF had kept on hand, I think it was. They were doing experiments with that. Now, the difference I think that's between, what it says, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was it. But I think the difference here of the Takunin in both timelines is that the Takunin in Mortal Kombat X may or may not be canon. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I was about to ask, because with Triborg not, not, like, maybe not being canon, in my head canon, the the Takunin were formed by Frost in Mortal Kombat 11 instead. And, but I mean, either way, they, they still get generated or, or created. Yeah, um, it's, under, it's under different circumstances, because with uh, with the original Takunin, it was... After Sector was ousted by Sub-Zero, he went off and just made his own clan from scratch. Mm. Uh, probably abducting a bunch of people for it to force him into the cyberization. Maybe some of them were, were up for it like he was, which could be an interesting uh, dynamic for expanding a Tekunin roster. But uh, with the uh, the second timeline, he kind of does succeed in doing that with the Lin Kuei, hence why it's Cyber Lin Kuei. But functionally, it's a Tekunin, but it's now actually all the members of the Lin Kuei that he has done this to. and then. Frost was the same as Sub-Zero's uh, second one in MK11. Uh, so it's, it's technically not the Tekunin. I know some pedantic people mm. will say that. I probably would as well. But uh, technically speaking, it, it really is the, the same idea. But I, I do think personally it's a bit more interesting if he just goes off and does, his, does it on his own instead of, I'm just going to make it from the old Link Way. It's like fully separate it from what the Link Way is. So you've almost got like a, like a divide between what the Link Way, two, two ideas of what the Link Way should have been. Sub-Zero is like it should be a force for good. Seto is like it should be a force that does its own thing and is also automated. And then they could clash, but they don't even interact at all in Armageddon because Sub-Zero's plot is about his brother and Smoke again. And I, I know it sounds frustrating saying it again, but it was nice when that was a thing he cared about. Mm, yep, definitely missed that. So I guess if you wanted to reintroduce the Takunin, then you could have sector hijacking the cyber linkway and creating tycoon or, or converting them you know like just switching their program out or something and they all come online as tycoon rather but than sector has cyber been destroyed at this point oh but he's a computer and it's mortal Kombat. no nobody's truly dead <laughs> if, you, if you remember uh in i think it was kano and jack's endings from k9 uh, kano uh, became like uh basically became like an AI, like ascending to AI-hood. And the same could be, be done with Sexo. I think I actually mentioned yeah. this in, in a video at one point. Like Sexo's personality could be in that data and take over Triborg. And then Triborg could go on this whole existential thing. Who am I? Am I Sexo? Am I Triborg? What am I? Or he could just say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Sexo reborn. Um, I am Triborg let, let's, let's go turn more people into robots. Also, more come at 11, I mean... Sector is technically there. He's a background character, and don't you fight him in during the story mode? Uh, yes, yeah. at some point. So that's a good point. Yeah, I, I mean, totally forgot about that. 
yeah, I mean, he's destroyed, but is he really destroyed? I mean, just do some computer hacking. I, I think he's back because the time nature. I think it is. I think it is the past version because Cyrax exploded and he's back as well. So I think it is the past versions of those two are brought forward. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Sector explodes anyway, doesn't he? In the, the uh, Black Dragon. Uh, yeah, uh, Kano blows him up. Yep. Oh, so it's. I didn't even think about it being the past versions. I always just thought that they were rebuilt or something like that. Well, well, if you're, I guess you didn't remember that in the comic. Uh, Cyrax gets his free will restored uh, by Sub-Zero and then sacrifices himself to give the Lin Kuei a, a fresh slate. So if mm-hmm. it was that same version, then even if he did survive the explosion it would be weird for him to be captured and reprogrammed again. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just supposed to be plucked from the time the that he time was brainwashed during MK2 or 3. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's vague enough, though, to where we could say it's it's not. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> just, for, just for rebuilding, like, you know, we're, we're fixing the, the past mistakes here, so we could just say, <laughs> yeah, this is this is the, the, the timeline that you guys are following right now, and, you know, we brainwashed them again. And but then Sector like takes over all the programming and uploads himself to every single Cyber Lin Kuei and becomes, you know, the Tekunin. That's that's my fix. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. If we want to bring them back. Yeah. I mean, well, but all it could be that it could even be uh that there is an AI of Sector, but possibly his tribog or his part uh, takes over tribog and then seeks out Frost after she's uh, banished from the Lin Kuei mm-hmm. and has her help him to get into the Link Way and capture them and then bring oh, I love them all that. over. Yeah, I that'd be great. He just read my mind, we... actually, fourth. Sorry, um, he just read my I was just about to say something extremely similar. I was going to go with exactly what you said, but say instead of Frost in the new timeline becoming a cyborg, he has the promise of giving her the dragon medallion in return for him taking charge of the Lin Kuei. Because we don't see the dragon medallion at all, as far as I know, in the reboot era, do we? Yeah, um, but, but we saw a redesigned version that is not as good in Sector's ending, where it's like, mm-hmm. like gold. And then I th- I think the idea is that the medallion that uh, you see on Sub-Zero in MKX is supposed to be the dragon medallion. Hence why it's part of one of his um, mm. uh, variations. Where it gives him power like he did in the old timeline. I yes. think that's what it's supposed to be, just completely redesigned. But then it has no plot significance. There's no exactly. suggestion that it augments his powers. That's we, what we I never meant. got a cool ice arm again. And the ice arms were the coolest thing they ever did with him. Yeah. Pardon the pun. And uh, ice. In, in the original timeline, aesthetically. And then now it's like nothing. He's, he's just <laughs> MK3 Sub Zero with a beard. No, no gray hair, no cool <laughs> ice arms. But he, oh, you can have a variation where, where it looks like. Someone's shining the blue lights from inside his skin. Wow. It's so good, guys. Thank you. You know, introducing the the medallion in that way would be really cool, too, because, you know, let's say Frost takes it. She's now Cyber Frost. And even more so than the original timeline, she can't harness that power because she's got all this cybernetic stuff to her. Mm -hmm. She becomes frozen in ice, and she is right back to where she was in the original timeline. Like... We just course corrected it all with that one little play. Which is also why Sexo would offer it to her because he can't use it. He has no powers. It won't affect him at all. He's got, or it could even be, it would affect him, but he's like, I don't care for this. I, I can augment myself purely with cybernetics. I don't yeah. need this mystical mumbo jumbo. You, you, you can have it. I don't care. Yeah. yeah we've got two cool. fixes for the price of one. I like it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, how about the actual 
time skip of MKX itself? How many years was the time skip? 20 or 25. It, mm. It's uh, completely inconsistent within MKX. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Long enough to make babies and, and then <laughs> and them them annoying, kill, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh yeah i mean they could have started young <laughs> oh god it, it's just funny because you look at johnny cage in, in mk9 whoa, whoa i'm not, not going to kill anyone and then like 20 years later here's a gun cassie shoot shoot <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean 20 years later one year later <laughs> <laughs> so, so so if we don't have the mkx time skip we have the same roster just with, let's just say, 3D eras, a more varied roster, basically. Uh, characters which, in my opinion, would come from different realms all over the place if, if we were to go through the exact same sort of process that we did without this time skip. We have no true aging, whereas in MKX we see Johnny, Sonia, etc., etc. All the OG cast are now older, wiser, etc., or at least... I mean, we mentioned at the start of this episode how we have the mentors and stuff. I, Ironically, I don't think we had a single good mentor. Kenshi didn't do very well. Scorpion didn't do very well. Or Hanzo didn't do very well. Sonia he definitely did, he did, did the not. best, I think. Hanzo did the best. Yeah, I think, I think Han, he's, he's, he's the only one. He's the only one we actually see mentoring. I think. I see. I, I, I feel like the one who did best was Sub Zero, even if it didn't work purely because of who his student was. If that makes sense. Maybe. Who was Sub Zero's student? Frost. Frost. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 easy, it's easy to forget she was in MKX very briefly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Overreacting to him sitting having tea with Hanzo. Just <laughs> by having no connection to the, the, that earlier conflict herself. Exactly. And why does she care about the student idea? <laughs> <laughs> but with the reboot, we had the time skip, 20, 25 years. We have complete different roster as a result of this. We don't see most of the 3D era. I mean, for example, we never hear of Darius. We never hear of Dairu. Uh, I think we have had Hotaru mentioned once at this point. The only one who truly gets much of a reference is Havoc. I don't even think Natara is properly mentioned other than through gear. Uh, so, don't forget Lee May. She uh, shows up. Lee May, yes. Yeah. <laughs> as, yeah. as a and refugee Aaron, Aaron who says that- cannot fight. <laughs> And Aaron says that he slept with Natara as well as Scarlet. Ah, yes, yeah, sure. that's yes. right. Yes. <laughs> Such a, a random thing to include. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it's quite the I mean, flex. He slept with a vampire. It, it, it's better than completely ruining it like 2021 did. I'll give him that, I guess. <laughs> but we end up with characters who, in my opinion, are nowhere near the level of even many of the lowest and i when i but when when i say lowest i mean like cobra level characters of 3d era like okay we have takeda who in my opinion was clearly the best clearly <laughs> the best addition yeah. uh, to the new roster we have cassie who while i don't think is necessary was a cool sort of blend of johnny and sonia we have kung jin who was a, an interesting character with bad execution in my opinion uh, we have Jackie, who, yeah, we already know my answer here. <laughs> we have Ferrator, <laughs> we have Collector, Cetrion, and Garrus, right? So we already have this different sort of type of additions to the roster where most of them are either from Outworld or Earthrealm. One is a goddess who literally makes no sense. 
to be added to the roster, in my opinion, Cetrion. We have Garrus, who could have been very interesting if he was not very similar, in my opinion, at least, to Tremor. But, and then Ferator, who was technically of a different race, but once again, Outworld. So here, the problem that I think we face is that most of the characters are very one-dimensional, at least in the, where they're coming from, and how little, I say the word diversity, how little diversity we're getting across the roster purely because of Mortal Kombat's potential, as we mentioned again at the start of the episode. We have so many different realms. You open up one realm, you have the opportunity to bring in a million different characters of different types of species, whatever, right? So how would you fix this time skip? Would, what would you do? Like half it? <laughs> what would you do? I, I don't think you can fix a time skip. I mean, unless you rebound time, which is possible with Kronika's powers and stuff like that. But honestly, I don't mind that there's a time skip and they're introducing new, younger characters. Because, I mean, uh, John Tobias did an interview himself and said that that would have been his plan for Mortal Kombat, uh, mm. I think, four, if he had gone on, was that he was going to do a time skip and introduce Liu Kang's son as the main protagonist. And uh, I I enjoy that they tried something that way. I just feel like they didn't stick with it. Like, I would have loved to have seen Takeda continue on. And I, I think, you know, even if you wanted to realign it with the original timeline, you could still have the combat kids, like, for all their good and all their bad. Like, that's something that could still happen. And you could still have these characters show up that, that, are new characters um so personally i don't think you need to touch a time skip but what do you think fourth um i think the time skip as a, as a concept was fine I mean, like again um that, that was a plan john tobias had and it's what um i'm, I'm, I'm just, i swear I, I don't know where you can find some anymore, but i swear like ed boone or john vogel around the time of armageddon said that was what the next game was going to be after armageddon the slate clean and then introduce all these new next gen characters mm-hmm. um i think as a, the concept for it is uh, is fine it's it's used to introduce new characters and i mean i know they've, they've been kind of hit or miss with the netherrealm era but it's at least it is a bunch of new characters and it's not just the same characters from the same two games over and over again which is as a serious issue with the netherrealm uh, era um but i, I think it's, it's more of just a, an issue of the execution of the characters uh, mm. i think you really need to it's difficult to do this whole next generation kids thing because it's very very easy to to make it incredibly lame it's just it's this the kid of one of the characters but maybe gender swaps maybe just just the exact same character maybe they're on the <laughs> other side this time I which mean, happens Wars, a lot yeah like, yeah like wow holy shit um, <laughs> but i think the combat kids just need a bit more fleshing out um especially yeah. jackie um Aaron Black is, is is fine if they can just make him more consistent in his backstory. Kotal, interesting ideas. Devora, incredibly frustrating with what they've done with her, but it's a whole new race they've introduced. Yeah. And that could have been from another realm. Yeah, same thing with Collector. Yeah, uh, he, uh, those who could be from uh, Chaos Realm, or maybe even Edenia. Maybe there, there are parts of Edenia that are darker than we knew. There are these like evil bugs that are trying to kill everyone. And you these, mentioned Collector these, actually this, being from the Chaos Realm. I... I feel like the collector's species, the Naknadans, would be very interesting order realm species, actually, because they they mm. fall into one line of work specifically, and they follow that through. Right? They seem to mm. to commit to one sort of form of order, which would be very interesting to see, rather yeah. than just being purely outworld all the time, which everybody has demonstrated <laughs> we are quite sick of. Right? <laughs> 
But yeah, no, the, I That'd think you're right. It's the execution. If they're able to sort of fix the characters themselves and how they're handled. I mean, before the game came out, I did not hate, for example, Jackie. You know, I, I was looking forward to seeing what they did with these new characters. But as I got through the story, oh my God, I hated her character. You know, it, it just, it was the bad execution. For all we know, they could actually reboot everything and bring them back in and just be like, hey, you know what? These are actually really cool characters now. Takeda was a prime example of a beautifully done new character, which fit the, the aesthetic, which fit the, the, the true feel, I think, the atmosphere of Mortal Kombat, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. That's like the uh, advantage of actually feeling like his own character. Because even though he's clearly partially a blend of Scorpion and Kenshi, you can see where those two characters influence him. Like He's practically just swinging Scorpion's uh, spear around and put two of them, and he's also got a bit of telekinesis. But it's still not, unique enough. not what dominates him. Yeah, it's... it's whereas with Cassie, it's like, I feel like the, the stuff that she gets from her dad is a bit too much. Yeah. And then what she gets from her mom is almost not enough. Like, yeah, it, 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 uh, but I guess like, the way they approached it was better because she just got guns, which is similar to what Sonya does, but not, not, not to the extent of ripping off moves from Sonya. Uh, then you have Jin, who's just completely unique, and Jackie, who is almost one-to-one Jax. Anything she does, Jax could have easily done instead. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I think, I think just retooling, especially Jackie, like, I mean, I like the, the addition of the extra kick moves, but if that was her focus... Uh, it, she would have gone over better or as a friend of mine suggested she should have been the one with all the drones and the uh yes, and the turrets and stuff exactly to give those to the other characters that, that should be her thing she's into robotics because of her dad mm-hmm. and so that that's a fun little connection to her father you can see how that inf- uh, influences her but she's not just jacks as a girl yeah i think cassie is the perfect example of what most franchises do when they try to introduce like the new next generation like Mortal Kombat next generation and you know they introduce characters like Shi Kang it's actually Liu Kang's daughter and she has the power of shooting fire and bicycle kicks it's like it's the exact no, same no, character the difference is it's not a bicycle kick it's a tricycle kick <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> she punches them while she's doing a bicycle kick the tricycle kick brand new moves Oh, 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 she does that, that, that Lee, May, Lee May move from Deadly Lies where she like launches yes. the ball and punches in the air. But, but yeah, like Cassie's the, that fits into that mold which we usually see. And mm-hmm. uh, like what I respect about the combat kids, like I'm not, I'm not a big com- combat kid fan except for Takeda, but they attempted to do that and they attempted to not do it in that traditional way. Like Cassie is kind of that stereotype um jackie is a little bit too but they still try to add in their own characteristics from uh cassie like cassie still had some sonya type stuff in her um takeda as you guys mentioned he was the perfect mixture of his two parents or yeah. you know his, his, the, the people that trained him yeah and but he was still very unique in his his game style and the way that you played him um and kung jin i mean he wasn't my favorite character to play but he was extremely unique and they incorporated that Shaolin story to him to tie him into everything. And that's what I respect about Mortal Kombat X's introduction of the combat kids is they did try to do a next generation and do it in a way that made them original. And then they just like halfway through development, they gave up on it and threw in all the old, (laughs) old people too at the same time. And I was like, why do I want to play Cassie if I can play Johnny, you know, or, or, you know, uh, why would I do that? Like I got the original cast here also. So you, uh, yeah, I think 
we could still use them. You're right about Kung Jin. Kung, like, like I did say he was bad ex- execution. I feel like the only thing that was actually that actually truly put me off him because other, other than his personality, that's what put me off him. Yeah, it was it was yeah, right. it was too arrogant and it just it was too much after a while, you know. Whereas his gameplay was amazing and I mean Every, like his actual story was really good too. The problem was just the character yeah. personality. That was it. And that's really what to this day puts me off of Jackie, aside from the fact that she's also not unique in any way up until MK11. And in which case I still maintain that she's just them trying to push her and giving her something which everybody likes, which is MMA. You know, that that's, or Muay Thai. But I, I, it was a combination. I mean, it's MMA in the end. But that was the only thing really that they did wrong, in my opinion, with the combat kids. And you, you just said it very well. Like they, they had this great idea and then halfway through, they sort of just gave up and just like, hey, let's just do this, you know. But before we end, I want to talk a little bit about uh, my favorite <laughs> re, re-rebirth uh, idea here. <laughs> and this is something that, that uh, we got from like one of the, the staff members from Uppercut Editions is... Kotal Khan. Okay, so <laughs> Kotal Khan, he's introduced in the Mortal Kombat X series. We get to see this character. But where was he during the original timeline? I mean, these the stuff still happened the same way, but what happened to Kotal? We never see him. Like, he must have influenced the Aztec culture as has been referenced in Mortal Kombat games. Um, the theory, and we've talked about this before, but I love it, and I just want to keep bringing it up. <laughs> Is that in the original timeline, Kolo Khan was actually meat. <laughs> so he was uh, one of Shao Khan's generals, fell in love with Jade or whatever. Uh, you know, in the new timeline, he's, he's saved Reptile's life and all that stuff. But what if in the original timeline, he never got to be Kolo Khan because he made Shao Khan mad and ended up in the flesh pits and never got freed and was experimented on and became meat like this is this is the ultimate re-rebirth story in my opinion and it fits too because his gameplay style is very wrestling focused as meat and then he's very grapple focused as kotal yeah yeah magic (laughs) yeah right yeah Yeah. cuts himself and (laughs) yeah so if we wanted to reintroduce meat like i don't know (laughs) throw kotal in a flesh pit and then meat's back like this is doable people <laughs> give Kotal a meat skin yeah oh my gosh that would be amazing for any modders out there that are listening to this <laughs> I want to see a meat skin on Kotal <laughs> I, I do think this is probably the best theory to come out of Mortal Kombat in many years actually yeah <laughs> we, there, there, there isn't a lot of, of like theory crafting with MK I feel like compared to a lot of other fandoms you don't really see it that much yeah I think that uh, I mean. I think the last. Uh, do you think the last? I think the last one I could think of. I think the last one was like when people theorized that Frost was the the once mentioned younger sister of the Sub Zeros, and yeah. that's like the last mm. big uh, MK theory. The, the, right, that, right, right before the reboots and stuff. I mean, there was that, but uh, I, I think I would add the speculation of the the woman in Jade's MK9 ending as well. But then again, oh that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. more speculation rather than actual fan theorizing. So yeah, that that's yeah a good point actually. I mean, one one I think one of the cool things about this topic today is what that it relates very heavily to your Chronicles series, which is one of the if not the only one of the few uh, places where you can really find anybody sort of take. 
giving a different take on the Mortal Kombat series or storyline itself. Uh, we, we have mentioned it in the past on previous episodes, and I, I believe that today's topic was a great way for you to, to sort of bring in some ideas from it. So, I mean, normally we actually ask our guests, do you have any ongoing projects you'd like to share with our viewers? I mean, we, we know you have this project. Everybody, if you're interested in taking you know, the, these, this theorizing further, go check it out. It's a really cool read. I'm not up to date, but from what I've read, it's very interesting. It's a lot more of this discussion, but in actual writing form. So check that out, everybody. Um, yeah, is, 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 is that, sorry? So is this a... It just explained it. It's like it is it Mortal Kombat Chronicles with a K, of course. It has to be a K. Uh, it's kind of it is almost like an, uh, an inversion of this. Whereas here, it's like um, bringing aspects of the old stuff into the new timeline. This is more like some stuff from the new timeline is in the old timeline. So after Armageddon, it then would move into uh, MKX, like a tweaked version of MKX, because a lot of the setup for MKX was already there in Armageddon. Johnny and Shinnok are the two faction leaders, which I imagine a lot of people don't know because it was only in the bios that released after the game, but Johnny's the one who got the good guys together. Shinnok got the bad guys together, so their rivalry is already established, and then, well, why are all these revenants here? Because a lot of people died in Armageddon. And then it would go into, like, maybe an original plot, which you do have an idea for an original plot to occur between X and Eleven, and then Eleven is just heavily changed. Like, there are no Titans. This is established. Liu Kang tells Johnny to his face, there are no titans. They don't exist. It's bullshit. Um, <laughs> I love it. That, that, that's a uh, solution for the titans. Great. <laughs> that's that's a solution for the whole series right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, don't go into it assuming it's like the whole story being told like bit by uh, as is. Because like, it's really just short stories set within this like amalgamated universe, but, but as well as like an alternate universe where the, the time travel stuff does happen because sometimes I have cool ideas like, for that. Like, what if the Cyberlink Quay are all from the past? What if Frost found Sub Zero from that time and she had control over him, and she and she and she finds no satisfaction in that? Yeah. And uh, just really whatever story I, I think to write. And uh, the, I think if you if you're only going to read one, I would I would definitely recommend uh, the Superstars Life Story, which is basically kind of what this universe is from Johnny Cage's perspective, going from the beginning all the way through to at the end of MKX. And just so you can see how like Cassie Cage is born after MK4. And then she, so she's already alive at the time of Deadly Alliance and Deception, Armageddon. Hmm. And it's like a, a focus on Johnny's career and how dying and coming back affects his career or his relationship with Sonya. Uh, although the funny thing about the Sonya thing is I actually forgot to include how Johnny met Sonya in this story that's about Johnny and in big part, Sonya and Cassie. They just, Johnny's like, I'm going to go fight in this tournament. Next scene, he's back. Oh, and I met this woman called Sonya. She's pretty cool. Like, I've not depicted that yet. I can, I can tell you how point. you can fix that. All you need to do is put that in a pre-fight interaction. I'll tweet it. It's fine. People, people, people. I was going to say, that way it's not canonical either. So, you know, you can take it or leave it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think the ultimate sort of retcon, or rather the ultimate sort of fix that we have to all of these topics that we've been discussing today has already actually been taken care of by NRS themselves. We have Fire God Liu Kang's ending and Shang Tsung's ending at the end of MK11, where they literally either reboot everything or actually go to the other realms. So, 
You know, it kind of, it kind of pointless discussion, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, they have kind of given us a good setup for Shaolin Monks 2, where we play as Raiden and Fujin conquer the realms for Shang Tsung. I didn't even think about that being a possible game. Like, you know, everybody keeps asking me, which timeline do I want to continue? I'm like, well, that's obvious. But now you've, you've completely changed my mind, for <laughs> sake. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just want anything Shaolin monks, don't we? At this point, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you can look at Ed Boon's polls on Twitter, and it, it's uh, always I think it's pretty obvious everybody wants Shaolin, Shaolin monks. monk style. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a fighting game, yeah. sure, Mortal Kombat, but oh God, everybody loved Conquest and Deception. We liked. Okay, mm-hmm. I th- I think Conquest and Deception was better than Armageddon's Conquest, but Armageddon still took. So- well, it still was innovative, innovative in some ways. I can't speak anymore. And <laughs> I, Shaolin Monks was honestly the best of them in the sense of a sort of RPG style gameplay kind of thing, you know, where you're running around, leveling up and everything. So hopefully we, I would love to see Fujin and Raiden get one, actually. That would be a great thing. Or even <laughs> Katana, uh, Katana Jade or something along those lines. Hmm. Maybe four player yeah. with all the female ninjas. That'd be cool. It'd be really easy to structure as well. Like, because like, the way Shaolin Monks is, like, each level is based on an existing MK stage. But you just say, instead of being like, this one's a living forest, this one is uh, the, 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 the tower, or whatever we're calling it in this game. It's like, this one is Earth Realm, Outworld, Nether Realm, Chaos Realm, Order Realm. And you just have all the realms, even, even new ones we've never seen before. Because that's another thing we've, we've kind of not even really mentioned but you can introduce new realms yeah very that, true. that is an option yeah. you don't you don't have to just say well there's the six from deception plus vaytonis and zatera like there's there more. are others you can introduce yeah uh, i think i think even the like i think the the, uh, the kaitin actually from a different realm that got conquered by shao Kahn. yes mm. you're right yeah it, it, it's, it's kind of unclear uh, because it's called the Anyek islands or isles but which suggests it's just part of outworld but it but Khan conquers it, so I, I guess it was another realm, but you could do plenty of levels as long as you don't make the Kaitin level have like jump scare spiders. I'll never forgive whoever Netherrealm came up with that in MKX. They need a slap. Honestly, I, I feel you. I was I was terrified to play the crypt alone. I actually was in MKX. <laughs> Uh, but yes, you are correct about the Kaitin, by the way. Uh, Arniek was merged into Outworld. So yeah, that, that, that is a com- very, very good point. We could always have more realms added to sort of fix certain inconsistencies or just to take the, take the game further and solve one of, that problems, one of those problems that we talked about, which was too few realms. Sorry, Phantom, we've interrupted you like three times now. <laughs> <laughs> so forth, Nick, before we let you go, where can our listeners find you? Uh, well, there's... Uh... <laughs> I'm not going to make the Twitter joke this time. It's been done enough. Uh, on Twitter, at Fourth Snake. No, the, Why is it not the Fourth uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's uh, YouTube, the Fourth Snake. Um, uh, all, all the video descriptions will also list uh, stuff like the DeviantArt and the uh, fanfiction.net and all those other, other places. Um, and if, if you're looking for MK Chronicles specifically, uh, the pinned tweet on my Twitter is all of those. And each one of those comes with the DeviantArt, fanfiction.net, and also archive of our own links because I post these stories on all three of those sites because I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave uh, descriptions in the description. Yeah, exactly. in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'd like to thank all of our listeners for stopping by the Realmcast today. 
Thank you very much for Snake for joining us on this episode. It was a pleasure to have you on the Realmcast. You can find Yanni and myself, Phantom, on the Mortal Kombat group on Facebook, as well as Yanni on the Mortal Kombat meme realm. Special thanks to Uppercut Editions for their continued support. The Realmcast is the official podcast of Mortal Kombat Online. You can catch up on all episodes of the Realmcast on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, and MortalKombatOnline.com. Sculpt a new history.